Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to urge in the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to urge in the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and as always, I'm joined by Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison for yet another busy show. We'll discuss the huge news that broke on Monday morning that Ben Stokes will return to the England Test squad for the Ashes series and we'll ask how much that improves their chances of success. We'll also discuss a winning start for England in the T20 World Cup. We'll revel in Pakistan's 10-wicket win over India and also speak live to the Scotland head coach, Shane Berger, after they reach the Super 12s of the tournament. We'll also hear from the likes of Liam Livingston, Adil Rashid and Chris Silverwood. This is the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Well, Harmy, it was the news that every England fan was hoping to hear, and uh, we heard it on Monday. Ben Stokes is ready for Australia, in his words, and that is just brilliant. It is brilliant. What a, what a tonic that was on a Monday morning after a, after a big Sunday and an even bigger Saturday night. It was fantastic news. It's great news that, you know, putting England aside for a second manners, it's great news for, for Ben Stokes just to feel as though he can get back out, pick a bat up, but a bowl and ball. I think the signs were there a couple of weeks ago when he when he was practising and it was all over social media. Um, but for me, yeah, I'm just I'm just happy that a good friend of mine is feeling good and feeling better about that himself, and he's he's able to get back on on the cricket field. And where better to go than go and, and play against the old enemy in Australia? And it's a boost for English cricket. It's a boost for the England cricket team. Boost for Joe Root. But for me, it's 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 just fantastic to see that Ben is feeling better about himself, and he he's in a position to go and play cricket again because. It'll be it'll be not only tough for him from you know, obviously what he's been going through mentally, but to see and watch Ben is somebody that always wants to be on the field. He's always wanting to be in the thick of the action. And what that kid's gone through in the last two years, it would have broke anybody a lot sooner than than it affected Ben Stokes. You know the the world of the expectation of the England cricket team, whether he's playing with a white ball or the expectation of a side in the Red Bull side who hasn't who hasn't been doing as well from a, a batting unit point of view and to, to throw in all that, you know, that, that how he lives his life there. I'd sampled it with Andrew Flintoff a little bit like what Ian Botham was before. He was the man that everybody's eyes were on every time he walked out on the pitch, wherever he was on the pitch. 
you know, whether there was young kids or, you know, middle-aged men, they all wanted to, to sort of watch, see and expect from Ben Stokes. And then throw in the, the loss of a parent. You know, I can understand, you know, the, the troubles he's gone through from, you know, from a mental point of view. And it's just great to see the kid back. It really is. His injury is an interesting one as well, isn't it? Because um, it's, it's um, your index finger you, you use all the time. I mean, mm. you know, whatever you're doing, you're, and if it's broken and it's, it's been operated on and it hasn't healed properly and, you know, and it's, it's causing you constant pain and, and discomfort on top of everything else. And an injury like that just wears you down, doesn't it? I mean, you just, oh, the frustration is immense. Yeah. And, and you've got to remember as well, when you're talking about, professional sportsmen you've got to have a release and your release is your family uh, your relief is your your sort of hobbies your private life because they don't get many they don't get much time off cricketers now a lot of it in Ben's case by his own by his own choice because he plays in he plays in the IPL he's good enough to play in the IPL and the, the riches that comes with that so that's that's his choice that he, he doesn't have as much time off as he does but he likes a game of golf and you mentioned you your index finger, your finger is, is, is so important. So if you can't get your release then all of a sudden that does drag you down, it does constantly have your head down rather than your head up. Um, there's no light at the end of the tunnel when you're, when you're injured. I look at someone like Ben Stokes, he loves playing cricket. He loves playing cricket, no matter who he's playing for, you know, whether he's playing, he's practicing, he trains exactly the same way. And I think that, having an injury will, will, will hamper him mentally more than, more than anything else. So you can see why you know, Ben's had the, the struggles he's had, but it's great news that he's back. Did you see the news that the Premier of Victoria is talking about having 80,000 people on Boxing Day um, for the Boxing Day Test match? I mean, it's optimistic. I think the, the numbers are something like 90% of, of over 12s would have to be vaccinated um, in order for restrictions to be removed um meanwhile western australia continues with it <laughs> i don't know it's just it's a, it's a state unto itself i mean it's the they're talking about the perth scorchers having to play their entire big bash league campaign outside of perth outside of western australia because of the restrictions um western australia really has always been a law unto itself but how do you think australia will take to the news that ben stokes or oh, will take to the fact that he is going to be there I think it's, it's going to be positive from you know, the, the game of cricket's point of view. You will get some stick, like we all did. We all we all got stick when we go over there, um, and it, it, you get it from the minute you get off the plane. You know, the, the the guys that are throwing your bags onto the carousel are telling you that you're going to get beat five nil. Glenn McGrath's going to be right. He's going to get, you, you get it all the time. So I don't think the level of the level of stick and banter and abuse or whatever you want to you you call it from the from the sideline. I don't think that's going to be any different to, to whether Ben Stokes has two years in the game or two years out of the game. I think as much as Nathan Lyons telling us that it's great that you want to play against the best, I'm sure the Australian cricket team were thinking, right, without Ben Stokes, you've got a great chance of winning the Ashes or retaining the Ashes. Now, you can say what you want, but I think privately they'll be thinking it's, this is going to be doubly as hard because of what... Ben gives. Ben hasn't played a great deal of cricket, or he won't have played a great deal of cricket by the time the first test match goes. But that little 10% he gives the team is just is what the boost that England need because 
he'll get better, Ben, throughout the throughout the, t- the, the tour. But that just that ten percent that we've got Ben Stokes on the field with us, that for me, just is is massive for England, and that could be the difference between Sweden and the balance between England and Australia. I still think Australia are massive favourites, but I think when you when you come to it, I think Australia have got to be happy that Ben Stokes is coming. I think they've got to be happy that England are coming. And you take the Perth game out of the equation, I think you're going to have a decent-sized crowd with good atmosphere for the other four test matches. Now Ben Stokes is there. I think it's going to be a bit more of a contest. What do you think Jack Leach and Don Bess made of the news that Ben Stokes would be there? I think their Christmases came at once. I think, I think they might have been doing backflips. I don't think that it would have been great to see their, their pal back, but... I think they'll be doing backflip because if, if I was a spin bowler in that 17-man squad, I think I'd have been practising you know, my you know, the, with, a, with a spoon, trying to work out whether it's three, three, three rashes or four rashes into the, into the drinks bottle and give it a swirl because without Ben Stokes, England can't play a spinner. No chance. Nowhere in the world England can play a spinner because they'd have to, they'd have to leave a batsman out, play five bowlers and devalue the, you know, the, the team in that respect for me. And the only way for me to win this, to win the Ashes if, is if they get runs on the board. And I think they're going to need as many batting options as, as they possibly can. But you're right. I think Leach and, and Bess might, might be sending Ben, ben Stokes a, a bit bigger Christmas card and a nice little present when they get to, uh, when they get to Melbourne for, for the Boxing Day Test match. Because now the balance of the England cricket side is going to be a lot better the chance of getting a spin bowler into the England cricket team is going to be a lot better. Um, and it just makes England, for me, it just makes England so much stronger because of the balance of having enough bowling options and you know, retaining the, the seven batsmen. It gives them a, a better chance to get runs on the board for the, for the bowlers to get, get a chance to take 20 wickets. And finally, when you say that Ben Wines have played much cricket, um, that sounds like, quite good news to me i i, I yeah. like the idea of him being super super fresh um and it's not like he's work shy i mean it's um it's it makes your eyes water watching him train to watch him to watch him go through his training routines after a game is uh is just intimidating so um i mean the fact that he hasn't played much cricket he's not going to be lacking fitness he might be lacking match fit, fitness but um i i really like the idea of him super fit uh, super fresh yeah, absolutely. The, the, the problem England have got now is to rein him in. I know what he's like. He's he'll be wanting to bat all day in the nets. He want to be bowling, and and it's going to be up to the England captain and the England coaches to just rein him in a bit because it'll be like when the you know the, the doors open and the horse goes, and it's you know, if the if the if the jockey's not fully in control, you it might go the other way. He could he could end up getting injured because he's trying too hard because he wants it too much. And I think that's the challenge for, for the ECB now is to get Ben ready as a prime resource for that 8th of December. And if they do that, they get the balance right, I think they can stand a, you know, stand a better chance and a good chance of, of hopefully doing stomach in the ashes. Well, a couple of days ago, Liam Livingston was talking to the media from uh, the T20 World Cup. And I think uh, it's fair to say that he was speaking for all England cricketers when he had this to say about Ben Stokes returning to the England Ashes squad. Yeah, I think it's great news both for England and for Ben himself. 
it's great news that his finger's heading in the right way and it's great news that um, he's ready to play cricket again. So um, to have Ben around a group is, is great. I've played a lot of cricket with Ben over the last couple of years um, and just to have him around an environment is a massive boost for, for any team. So um, especially going to a massive series like the Ashes, it'll be great for, for the lads to have Ben around, but I think it'll also be great for Ben to to be back around. I'm sure he's really excited to get back to cricket um, and I'm sure he'll be really looking forward to, to getting out to Australia and getting involved in the Ashes series. So, um, yeah, like I said, it, it's great for English cricket um, and it's, it's a massive boost for the boys going out there to Australia. That was Liam Livingston and uh, we all endorse that view. Now, to hear the best reaction to Stokes' return, you can listen back to a special podcast here on the following on feed, Right. Um, it couldn't have gone much better for England in the uh, opening game of the T20 World Cup. All that speculation, all that uh, theorising about what a tough game it was and how dangerous the West Indies were. Wow. Wow. Um, again, you know, there are a couple of things that grab the headlines. The fact that the West Indies were bowled out for 55 and <laughs> some of the numbers. Adil Rashid, four for two. Yes, four for two in case you missed it. Harmy, what did, what did you make of it all? I mean, apart from shock. Not a surprise, because I did say, we have said on the, on the collective when we talked about the preview in the, the World T20 that the West Indies will either get 200 or they'll get bowled out for 80. Well, it wasn't quite 80, 55 was. <laughs> England, looked, England looked superb. England looked great, but the West Indies, I wasn't surprised. And when people had them down as one of the favourites, look, they might still do, do well in the tournament, like you say, but not for me. In Australia, in the Caribbean, South Africa or England, on better on more surfaces, which ball comes on, you can just stand there and smack the line of the ball out of back to West Indies to do well in a tournament. On a wicket where you, you're not quite at it, you've got to possibly manoeuvre the ball around. Yeah, these surfaces aren't conducive, especially if you're a seamer and you hit the pitch hard. It's very, very difficult to trust the line, the, trust the, the ball and being able to hit, hit through the line of it. I, I didn't back the West Indies one bit, and it wasn't it wasn't a surprise that they got <clears throat> well beat by England. I think it was the manner. If I was a West Indies supporter, it was the manner the, the manner of the capitulation for me. That was like these guys not so much not interested. It was like, well, I've got one plan. I'm just going to try and belt it out the park, and if I get out, next man's going to do it. It was like we're off to a bad start. Let's just get off the field as quickly as we possibly can. Um, and I thought they were a shambles, but from England's point of view, I thought they were magnificent. They were a shambles. Um, <clears throat> I just remember watching them against Afghanistan in their warm-up game, and the bowlers, the West Indies bowlers, looked like they were just having a stretch. To be honest, it was uh, yeah. it was just a, a net without the nets. Afghanistan put 180 on the board, and they just weren't interested in in chasing them down. I mean, there was no urgency, um, and and it just carried on really I mean it was I don't want to question attitude because you know it's they are professional cricketers and they are match winners um, all of them but somehow may, maybe they're too many match winners maybe they all mm. just left it to each other is that is that the problem yeah too many yeah question attitude I will question attitude from a professional sportsman's point of view that you know there's a, a level that you need to have to be a, a fine fine sportsman and they've got it they've all proved it the problem for me was the selection of this 15-man squad. They picked a bunch of individuals, and I think in it, in 2020 you can you can play as individuals, 
but you've got to have some sort of team work ethic, team cohesions, a team plan. And for me, there was no team plan. From three down, it was like, what's what's going to change here? Nothing. Next one, off you go. Next one, off you go. Uh, and they've got too many, like you say, too many that you think are match winners, but are possibly over the over the hill when it comes to big lads, you know, not very athletic in the field. Yeah, for me, I've seen this before the tournament. I'm quite happy to say, not a totally so, but I've seen this, and I and I, I didn't for one minute think that the West Indies would be would be anywhere near in this competition because of the surfaces that we're going to play on. You have to think a little bit more. You have to work a little bit harder to earn the right to get in to then hit the ball on these wickets. They just give their they give their wickets away, and and that for me is the concern from from a West Indies fan point of view and where is the future for the West Indies cricket? Because that, that is the biggest worry. That's why they're going to basketball. That's why they're going to baseball. Yeah, There's money coming into cricket. And unfortunately you're picking players who were not interested in playing for the West Indies for maybe two and a half years until a big tournament comes around, make themselves available. And yeah, fair enough. They're playing one of the best teams in the world, but they showed, the, they showed the Caribbean islands up, getting bowled out for 55. All right, let's catch up with some of the reaction from the game in case anybody missed it. Uh, the captain, Kieran Pollard, who is a man of um, immense uh, standing um, in T20 cricket and in international cricket, um, this is what he had to say afterwards. It's disappointing to start you know, a tournament you know, like that, um, being defending champions. Um, but having said that, you know, something that we just need to accept. We accept it fully. We take full responsibility for what transpired out there. And for us, as I said, games like these, you try to bin it as quickly as possible and you move on. Yeah, they do have to forget about it and they do have to move on very quickly. I mentioned also that uh, Adil Rashid took four for two. This is what he had to say um, about the bowling unit. We don't look at it like that. We look at it as a, as a bowling unit. You know, we know we got... You know, five, six bowlers there, match winners. So on on any given day, you know, anybody can come on and get wickets, and and and, and like that is shared, you know, in in every other game as well. So it's not just about spin. It's definitely a bowling unit. It's not just about any individual. For ourselves, it's definitely a a bowling unit thing, not just a, about the spinners or whatever. So that's what it is. That's Adil Rashid stressing the importance of uh, of the bowling unit. It's not a concept that many cricketers or cricket supporters and followers will be able to understand very easily, Harmi. But it, it, I, I know as a commentator that it is very important, particularly in T20 cricket. It is important. A lot of people get this perception of T20 cricket and the best teams with the best batsmen who, who hit the ball the furthest are going to win. For me, it's not the case. The bowlers win the, win the games. Because the one bowler, if one bowler bowls these four overs for 15 or 18, that's the difference. 10 runs is the difference between winning and losing a cricket match. I thought Moen Ali was brilliant the other night. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. You talk about confidence. You took a catch early on in the, in the game. And the confidence that gave Moen to go and then bowl his four overs, you know, three of them inside the power player, was, was huge. It was massive. And I think that when you talk about bowling the unit, especially against someone like the West Indies, you, you're saying to yourself as a, as, a, as a group, right, let's stick together. If we bowl two good overs in a row, we'll take three wickets because these will give wickets away. And a lot of teams, if you, if you bowl as a unit, the opposition beat themselves because then the pressure of 
having to hit the ball for six, the pressure of having to score at 10 and over. All of a sudden, I keep saying, it, it hasn't changed, even, even having retired a long time ago with 2020 cricket. 120 cricket balls is a long time and you can catch things up. The West Indies never for one, one second during that game did anybody go, right, I'm going to bat. Even if I bat for 10 balls and eight of them are dots, I'm big enough and strong enough and confident enough now because I've been in a while to hit two balls to six. And all of a sudden, I'm going to run a ball. And then, then your, your confidence moves on because you put the pressure back on the bowlers. Bowling a unit, when you bowl together against a team like the West Indies, you bowl two good overs, that could be three wickets, that's game over. And that's what England did. England head coach Chris Silverwood reminded everybody after the game just how important Moeen Ali is to the England team. He hasn't played much T20 cricket, but it was a terrific match for him. He's very calm, very chilled out character, as you all know. I mean, around the dressing room, he I mean, has a lot of value. Obviously, the knowledge he's got through cricket as well, but the way that he's, he's very good at pulling people together as well. Uh, and it's an important cog in the wheel inside the dressing room. But, yeah, I mean, what we've seen is, you know, I mean, with the form that he's in, the character is just coming out. And it's great to see. And like I say, it's so much fun to have around. But we've seen that fun go out into the field as well. So we've got to try and keep him in that position. England head coach Chris Silverwood. I really enjoyed the fact that Moen Ali was made man of the match, just quickly, Harmi, because it uh, yeah. showed a good understanding and a reading of the game. All too often, the man of the match award just goes to the the most eye-catching figures and numbers. And, and that obviously was Adil Rashid's <laughs> four for two. But Moen bowled his, his four straight through, took two for 17, and then was part of a rejig batting order, which was uh, uh, intent on scoring the runs as quickly as possible. Um, uh, a project that did not include David Milan? No, it didn't. And I just wonder where this is going to go with, with no David Milan, because if Mo and Ali, again, you, you look at England, you're thinking that's the last thing David Milan needs. He's already getting questioned about his players. And then you're thinking, right, just let him go out there. Number three, belt 12. He's not going to be asking questions anymore. We've won the game by nine wickets. Yeah, he's got 12. Moen's got wickets. I thought Moen Ali was brilliant. I can understand the elevation of Moen Ali in the, in the order because of what has happened to him in the IPL. He possibly could have gone in and that could have been Morgan just swapping for him. Um, but the Milan situation, I look at someone like Mark Wood, I look at Pierce on the ball, two spin bowlers. If you've got Pierce on the ball, Mills bowled nicely. If you had, if you had Wood in there as well, then all of a sudden England might think, we might not need David Milan. Everybody moves up one. Moen then bats at number six. And we can get Mark Wood in this side. We've got two two fast lads. You know, two lads that bowl to death in Jordan and Wokes. And we've got two spin bowlers that can bowl at any any point in this in, in the 20 overs. You're thinking that might be the better balance of the side going forward. So it'll be a watch the space on that one. But I felt sorry for Milan, but it was the right thing to do. But he had pressure before the tournament. He's now the got point- a little bit more on it. The point about the net run rate, though, is that England are sorted there. Um, You know, barring anything, barring another result as extraordinary as as this one, and that's highly unlikely. The thing is, if it does come down to net run rate in a in a group of of five games, six teams, England are sorted. Just a quick look ahead then to the Bangladesh game, which is next up for England. They're a dangerous team, uh, you know, good spinners. They haven't been at their best. They put 170 on the board, though, against Sri Lanka, who then chased them down. 
courtesy of a couple of drop catches. Do you see that as a potential banana skin? Yeah, it's a it's a banana skin. Um, but I think England's professionalism, the confidence that England had the other night, and as well as that, manners. I think when you look at Bangladesh, they're going to be looking at England and a little bit of trepidation because of what they've just done to the West Indies. You know, that for me sent messages to every other team in the competition, nearly as big as the, the Pakistan against India game, where teams around the world, teams in the competition from other nations are going, oh, these look good. England look good. We expected them to be good, but they actually look good. And I think that when you're, when you're in like a, a, a tournament, does send a message. And I think Bangladesh will come. They've got some good players, but I, I don't see it being too much of, a, of an issue with, with England. Uh, England are a well-oiled machine and I don't see this, I don't see that changing. So for me, I think England will win comfortably. Right, you're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. And next up, we'll discuss a disappointing afternoon for Scotland who began the Super 12s with a heavy defeat to Afghanistan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus of the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Scotland came into this one buoyed by the fantastic way in which they qualified for the Super 12, but they ran into an inspired Afghanistan side who smashed 190 for four in their 20 overs after electing to bat first, led by Najibullah Zadran's 59 from just 34 balls. Then when Scotland batted, things went wrong pretty quickly. From 27 without loss, after three overs, they were dismissed for 60 after just two balls of the 11th over. Five wickets for Majib Uraman and four for Rashid Khan for just nine runs. Tough then on Scotland, they lose by 130 runs. 
You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast, now available from the following on feed via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm delighted to say, as promised, we're joined live on the line now from Sharjah by Scotland head coach Shane Berger. Shane, it's, uh, let's get the bruising out of the way first before we talk about uh, the qualification for the Super 12s. Um, it was a 130-run defeat, but to Afghanistan, I must say, uh, it was, an, it was a, an absolute joy watching um, Mujibur Rahman and, and Rashid Khan. I mean, a painful joy uh, because we were all wishing Scotland the, the very best, but my goodness me, Afghanistan looked strong last night. Yeah, it was a world-class performance. The, the lads showed why they they some of the world's best bowlers and um, and yeah just for us you know it's 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 quite a, it's amazing how this game sometimes has the ability just to just to pull you back down to earth and just just you know keep you humble and keep your feet on the ground which is something we speak about quite often but you can talk about it as much as you want until you get in the pressure cooker what is a massive World Cup game it just shows you that they they stepped up and they they put us under huge amounts of pressure. And ultimately, we just we just needed to be better than what we we showed last night. But look, good learning curve for us, and we'll we'll make sure that we we take it forward with us, you know. And great to see what sort of level you need to be at to be able to consistently perform on the world stage. And that is important, though, Shane, isn't it? When you do it, you've qualified for the, the Super Twelves game with India, Pakistan. You talk about Afghanistan's record at Sharjah, which is which is ridiculous. Um, but when you, in the whole idea, when you come away for it, this is going to make Scotland as a nation and Scotland players individually a lot better from facing these experiences, understanding what it's like to play under pressure and play in these these environments because it can only make them better for the next time they play. Because you know that's that's what Scotland are trying to do. They're trying to become a force in in world cricket, and coming up against these situations can only benefit eventually in the long term. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, the stat is, you know, they've just won their 16th game in a row in Charger. And if you want to become a consistent team that that makes a dent in world cricket, and, and you guys will know exactly what I'm talking about, you've got to go against the odds sometimes and beat teams in conditions that suit them. And, uh, you know, on those specific conditions that suits them, we knew that, but we... We also know that we have the game plans in place to go and combat them in those conditions. You know, previously we have beaten Afghanistan. We've uh, we've played the spin really well previously, but just on this occasion, you know, those fine margins go against you, and uh, we need to make sure that we find a way to turn those fine margins into our favour. Um, but wow, what a what an occasion and what an experience! Shane, um, people look at the scorecard and they go, "Oh, Scotland were bowled out for for sixty, but it was it was talking about learning experiences. It was also, the Afghan batting, um, you know, the, the guys who have bowled so well, um, Brad Wheel and, and Josh Davey, uh, the pressure that they were put under by the Afghan top order. And it, it was really interesting to hear Andy Flower, who's consulting for Afghanistan, talking about their approach, particularly in the power play, which is to not even mind about dot balls as long as they hit boundaries. All their focus was on hitting boundaries in the power play. Interesting approach. Yeah, and you, you can speak about it um, in team talks. You can plan for it. You, you, you almost know what's coming at you, you know. And on this particular occasion where our seamers have been absolutely superb uh, in, in, in the games prior to this, uh, we just we got our execution a little bit wrong. We probably bowled too many balls in the slot 
which allows them to really free their hands up and go. It was obvious to see they weren't going to be taking too many singles. You know, boundaries was was kind of what they were trying to do. You know, um, Zazai gives it a fair whack, and um, you know, Shazad's um, never going to die wondering, is he? So, uh, yeah, but I was I was particularly impressed by once once those two guys got out, just how how thorough your Gerbaz and your Zadran were, just the ball striking capabilities and the ability to also run really well between wickets. So it seems like they've got a, a team and a full package of players that can on and, and really make a good dent in this World Cup. So they're, um, they, they, they've got it all, really. But, you know, just, uh, again, good to experience it. And uh, you can plan as much as you want. Uh, but, and, you know, until you get in the pressure cooker, you've got to be able to pull out those plans and, and execute them. And we just didn't quite do that. In qualifying for the Super 12s for Scottish cricket is massive. It's For me, it's it's amazing. I'll, I've mentioned and I've joked about this before. I actually live closer to Scotland's international ground than I do to the nearest England international ground now, which is Headingley comp- uh, compared to sort of Edinburgh up the north. So it tells you, yeah, I, 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 and obviously my connections with Carl Kurtz, I really want Scotland, Scotland to do well. But, you know, you qualify for the group. Yeah, which guy? Which which games are the guys looking forward to the most? Are they looking forward to that fifth of November game, which is the big one against India in Dubai? You know, because that is that's massive for Scottish cricket. Is you know any 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 occasion you get to play big full member teams is is always a really special occasion. You know, Hami, you mentioned um, what it does for the country. Um, you know, one of the one of the things that this team desperately wants to do is to aspire inspire a, a younger generation of players coming through yeah. to want to get to World Cups, to to want to make sure that our structures keep getting better. There's no better way of doing that than going out and, and performing on the world stage and inspiring a nation in that way, which is, look, which is something this team has done already. They need to be very proud of that. And um, But now the key is really we have the platform to go out and play India, Pakistan. And let's not forget Namibia in the next game too. We, we've got the utmost respect for Namibia. What they've done in this tournament, they, they're very much on this same sort of journey we are where they they also trying to make sure that they get full member status and they they're able to play on on the world's you know the world stage more often so um the next game is going to be as important as as that that big game against india or pakistan or even new zealand so the amazing opportunity to to play against some of the world's best teams is surely up there for us and um uh, i have no doubt that our guys are looking forward to it Um, last night would have you know, the, the quicker we get over last night and move forward into tomorrow's game against Namibia, the better. Something we've, we've really spoken long and hard about is just making sure we stay in the moment in this tournament. You know, it's very easy to look back and see what's happened. It's also very easy to look way too far ahead and you just don't really focus on the things you need to, you know. So the, a real compliment I can also give to this group is we've been away from home now for about 44 days, 45 days. It hasn't felt that long. It's gone by really quickly. So when things are, when time tends to go by that quickly, it means that something's actually going really well and you're enjoying your time away. So a little bit of a hurdle yesterday, but we, we are looking forward to those other games and, and the challenges that that's going to throw at us. How much of a incentive is personal advancement for the, for the Scottish players? I mean, there's this perception that, you know, that, that, that you're a group of, of club cricketers um, and some, some play, players are club cricketers, but there are also players who have, have had great success personally. I mean, you know, playing in domestic uh, T20 competitions around the world. Um, Brad Wheel played in the 100. Um, there's this opportunity to showcase individual talent. And 
you know, suddenly get offers from, I don't know, the Caribbean Premier League or the PSL, the CPL, you know, all of these. Uh, are the players allowed to <laughs> allowed to focus on their individual careers? Yeah, well, one of, one of the goals is not only from a, you know, from a Cricket Scotland badge point of view and, and what that offers the badge. It's actually, you have an opportunity to build your individual brand too, which is what the likes of Rashid Khan have done, Mohamed Nabi and Majib. You know, these guys have done it around the world. What's made them better players is actually having the opportunity to go in and play other tournaments around the world, the IPLs, the CPLs, everything else. So we, we have spoken about it. You know, it's, you know, I look at someone like Mark Watts and what he's done in this tournament. And I look at a, you know, a George Munsey and a Chris Greaves who's a very unknown, um, but all of a sudden your career can change really quickly within the space of a, of a month. Um, things can happen really quickly for you. So Scottish cricketers are shouting out for opportunities to, to not only get in other leagues, around the world, but county cricket, as you mentioned, Brad Will, uh, Josh Davey plays a lot of county cricket. So, yeah, guys, guys need more opportunities to keep getting better. And the more you can, the more you can play on a daily basis and keep giving your skills the best chance to get better is, is, is what this group is looking for. You know, I can, I can only say from what I've seen in the last 18 months and the way the guys have trained, I've never seen a group of individuals train as hard as they have. And, and really, you know, sometimes in very wet conditions in Edinburgh, in indoor centres, um, at six o'clock in the morning, you know, I, I've seen guys sacrifice a hell of a lot. So to get the rewards is, is truly inspiring to see, but they need more opportunity to, to get out and, and show what they're really about. And there's a few world-class players within this unit that, that can only get better. Finally, Shane, people say that Scotland achieved what you came to do by qualifying for the, for the, for the Super 12s, but... Um... But when we first spoke to you before the tournament started, you said, not only am I confident that we'll get into the Super 12s, but I really back the boys to, to cause an upset. <laughs> I, I just wonder about that, that India game. I mean, it's, um, I mean, you've got absolutely nothing to lose. And as long as nobody's overawed by the sense of the, the occasion, I mean, you know, India have got everything to lose. Do you fancy it? Of course we do. If we didn't, we shouldn't be here. And that's, you know, we've, we've, spoken, we've spoken about it at length, you know, about what what our aspirations were in this tournament and uh, to achieve something special, not only in the first round, but the second round was high up on the agenda. Uh, the, the squad definitely does believe that, you know, T20 cricket is just, it's things happen so quickly. And on, on any given day, as we saw yesterday, one over can change the whole course of the game. And uh, we just need to make sure that we, the team that makes that, that change in the over that, that forces things to go, that swings on our side. But do we back ourselves? Absolutely. This, nothing changes in terms of the performance last night. If anything, it only makes us stronger. And, um, and we'll learn from it and we'll, we'll go roaring ahead. So not just the Indian game, maybe the Pakistan game, maybe the New Zealand game. Who knows? Any of those games. And maybe the next game. We'll take it one game at a time and, and, and we'll keep, keep trying to tick the boxes as we go along. Scotland head coach Shane Berger, thank you so much for your time once again and enjoy the rest of the tournament. Thanks, lads. Take care. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Right, Harmy, before we talk about Pakistan's historic 10-wicket win over India, let's reflect on a huge story which unfolded before South Africa's must-win game against the West Indies on Tuesday. After some players took the knee and others didn't, Cricket South Africa issued a directive to the players to adopt a consistent and united stance against racism, which involved taking the knee prior to games. 
Since then, star batsman Quinton de Kock withdrew from the side, citing personal reasons. South African cricket journalist Lungani Zama joined White and Jordan to explain more about what happened. I think for context, you know, your, your, your listeners need to understand that Cricket South Africa have dropped the ball on this several times and the leadership has changed several times in the past year for a number of reasons. And this unilateral decision by the board has had no consultation with players. As you said, they're instructing them to do so. And I, knowing Quinton de Kock, I would imagine that he's standing up on, on the fact that we're being told to do this. We have no choice in the matter. I've, I, I still have human rights that I would exercise in my own way. And to, to take it further, we don't have the time to expand on all of this, but Quinton de Kock is, is a player that has raced relations very close to his heart and he's had them for, for the majority of his career, even before he played for South Africa. Right. You know, some of his very best friends is, 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 is a baseball player that he almost went and played Major League Baseball with, who used to come to his house all the time and have dinners all the time. So this is not a racial matter. I think this is probably more a human rights matter where they probably feel that they've not been consulted and now they've been instructed to do something with absolutely no consultation whatsoever. It's, it's a strong-arm tactic by the board who feel that they need to do something. We're in the height of political season in South Africa, mm. and I think Quinton de Kock is probably going to be made the scapegoat for something, which, again, I say the players have not been consulted on. When they were consulted on it previously, the board themselves said, well, South Africa wanted to make a banner where they stood together against England, and the authorities at the time said, oh, no, a banner is not good enough. We, we need to do something else. And they, there was no leadership. And now suddenly they've, on a whim, decided unilaterally that, oh, no, actually, we can't leave it to the players. The players must just do what we say. And uh, I, I think the future yes. of South African cricket, well, the future of Quinton de Kock in South African cricket probably comes into question now because I don't see him signing his next central contract under uh, these circumstances. I was going to say, Lungani, you, 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 do you think that'll be it for him? Are we likely to see him again or will he quit it at this level? It's a very strong chance that he goes the West Indian route and becomes a freelancer and there's going to have to be a serious consultation probably with management and how they navigate these steps because he's a player in his prime. But obviously with all these T20 leagues mushrooming around the world, he could easily play four or five leagues that require nothing from him in terms of stances, political or otherwise. He must just go and play his cricket. He's just about to become a father. And I, I know he's, he's had his strong views on the way that Cricket South Africa has been run and now being told what to do without any consultation mm. is something that obviously pricks at his social conscience. The, so this is a tipping point. Will other players follow him? I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, it, it's, it's just been handled terribly. And, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's a number of, as we know, in, in, in the world, there are a number of differing opinions about the impact of it. There's English football players who said they're no longer going to take a knee because they feel its impact has been watered down and it's now just a, a meaningless gesture, which is, was his initial thoughts as well, that he'd rather act out what he feels about racism and, and, and do things that are, are, are tangible rather than take a gesture for the sake of TV cameras and, and you know, media punchlines. And, and obviously he's just on different pages with the leadership, but I, I, I can foresee a few other players coming out beyond this. This is quite a story that's developing. Uh, my colleague Simon Jordan is with me, uh, Lungani. What's your take on it, Simon? Obviously, Decock reading into it has said, look, I'm not going to be told to take the knee, yep. so don't tell me to do it. I'll do it should I choose to do it. And I thought that was the general consensus behind the sporting engagement, behind 
this particular gesture. It's not a gesture I particularly agree with. I understand the sentiments of it. So I understand entirely where he's coming from. He has previously um, stood when others are taking the knee, hasn't he? He has. Yeah, he has. And he stood and he explained that the reasons are personal. But, you know, without being biased on this, I, as a black South African myself, know Quentin de Kock as a white South African. And I've spent many a time on tour with him. If you're asking me blatantly if he's a racist or not, absolutely not. Um, this goes far deeper than black and white. And I think it is a, a, a deeper symptom of the, the pure mismanagement and lack of leadership that is currently at Cricket South Africa. And the fact that they've chosen this manner to deal with an issue that's been within their system for the past year. And we're still in the middle of SJN hearings where deep injustices are being brought to the table by players for, since readmission and even before. And for them to take this stance, I think there's a lot of political pressure on them to be seen to be strong as a leadership, but they've gone about it completely the wrong way. The day before a must-win World Cup match and you tell your players you have to do this otherwise, it's just terrible. And you can see the scorecard at the moment. Their minds are elsewhere. Yes. Yeah, I think I think it's the, the interesting aspect to, to me as well, Lungani, is if others will follow Quinton's um, uh, gesture here, example here, if you like, because he he is a, 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 correct me if I'm wrong. He's a hugely respected figure in South African cricket. Uh, many look up to him, and others might think, well, if he's doing it, I'll do it. Yeah, look, if, 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 the reality is the South African economy, both financial and cricketing, has never been at a lower ebb. So when you start telling players what to do, when they know that they've got financial options, half the players that are missing that could have played in this T20 World Cup missed out on selection because they were busy playing other T20 tournaments that pay almost as much as a central contract does in a year. They were earning that in a couple of weeks. So when you start trying to force people to do things, they look the other way and go, actually, I do not need this because our test team is no longer what it was. Our one-day team has no chance of winning a World Cup. And now our T20 team is in a place where they're being told what to do before a match. So why do I need to play for my country when I could go and get easy money and answer to nobody and just become a freelancer like so many other cricketers are doing around the world? Can I ask you what, I mean, the, we're jumping in the media to the conclusion, it's been put out as personal reasons and we've joined up the dots and made the link that this is because he's been instructed to take the knee and I, I'm assuming that, that that is the reason and you, you concur with the the uh, the analysis. What What is his position around taking the knee and the supporting of the initiatives around racial injustice. What, you know, he's, he's dying on a particular hill which is being told to do something that he doesn't fundamentally disagree with because he, he has his own viewpoints on how it should be represented. Can you give us any insight as to what is his objections? Is it simply being told what to do or is it he objects to the gesture? What is the thinking behind Quentin's position? Knowing him, and I'm, I'm not quoting him at all here because I've not spoken to him in weeks, but knowing him and his previous stance on it, it's he would object to the purely authoritarian system of telling you that you have to do this. You do not have a choice as a player or as an individual. The team is doing this and that's that. And in, in his mind, that is, is wrong because there are different ways to, in his mind, deal and show your support for racial injustice or show that your, you know, your opposition of racial injustice, there are other ways to do it than a simple gesture. Which when he was asked, and then you carry on. Before, he was, before they were instructed, he wasn't doing it. Um, and now they've been instructed, he's categorically not doing it. Is there an understanding of 
why? Is it because it's, he sees it as tokenism or is it because he doesn't agree with the principle in the first place? I would lean towards the former and say that he thinks it's tokenism. It's an empty, it's become an empty gesture. It was symbolic at the start. And obviously that, that in his mind, probably that, that narrative has been hijacked. But again, I'm speaking out of place here because I've not spoken to him directly on this, but given his previous conversations, when we've discussed this, I think it is a feeling of it's an empty gesture when you're doing it because you're told or you're doing it because everybody else is doing. You should be doing things that you feel deeply are going to impact the community around you, which, as I said, long before Black Lives Matter became a hashtag, he's been doing the very things that bring some sort of dignity to human lives to those people who don't have a meal, taking them home and having supper with them, sharing whatever cricket equipment you know, he's, he, he's a human on a very deep level. And now being told to do that, I think almost eradicates everything that he's done before because if you don't do this gesture, then you don't care. Yes. Well, yeah. I've cared mm-hmm. for most of my life, sure. I think, is, is pretty much where he is. Right. Uh, it was the game that was, well, it's an event in itself, isn't it? It's a, it's a world event. It's not just the biggest game in cricket. It's one of the biggest sporting events in any sport over a billion people watch when India play Pakistan. Pakistan had a zero record in World Cups against India, but boy, oh boy, they waited 28 years, Harmy, and then they did it in style with a a 10-wicket win that was that saw Pakistan as good in every department as I, I think I've ever seen them. Yeah, they were they were excellent. They were, it was a really, really, really good performance. With a, especially with the ball first up, we talked about it in the preview. How good Pakistan could be, I still think they'll get into the. You know, they potentially could get semi. Well, they will get in the semi-finals, I think now. But I think that you, we might see that game again. I think we might see that game again. It wouldn't surprise me if that's the final. India versus Pakistan, and what a final it would be. A billion people, like you mentioned. Afridi, Sean Afridi was absolutely brilliant with that first over. Got the ball to swing. The one he got, the one he got Keir Raul with to get the ball to go through the gate, bang, onto the top of the stumps was was an absolute beauty. Yeah, you know, it was a Macron bowled a ball in, in the um in the final of the World Cup in 1992 against then Chris Lewis, Alan Lamb and then Chris Lewis. And that ball was every bit as good. That ball was every bit as good. You know, at Pierce, moving back from off stump into middle stump, a top batsman in Raul not being able to get anywhere near it um, after yeah, just getting Rohit Sharma out, LBW. It was a perfect start. And India never really recovered. I didn't think at, one, at, what, at any point in that game, I felt as though England, India are back. You know, Coley had a, a partnership with Pant, but every time they were, they were, they were all seemed to be like five runs short in a power play, ten runs short, you know, coming into the middle period, and probably fifteen runs short overall at the end of the game. I never really felt felt that India were were back in the in the cricket match, and then you know, Rishwan and and Babarazam knocked them off for for no no wickets down, and it was an embarrassing defeat for India. And like I said before, I just didn't think India ever recovered. They seemed to be shell shocked. It was like a it was like a boxer getting a you know a rabbit punch in there. He just seemed to knock all the wind out of the sail of, of India, and there was no real comeback. Talking about emotional and embarrassing, Virat Kohli was added again afterwards. I actually on the field of play, it was 
truly heartening to see the interaction between the India and the Pakistan players. Yeah. I mean, it, it, they might have fought half a dozen wars against each other and, and the governments are at each other's throats and, and the fans maybe uh, take it all a bit too seriously. But the players have never got over-emotional during the, the play. I mean, I, I've seen most India-Pakistan games in the last 20 years and there's never been, they've never been over-emotional. But afterwards in the press conference, this was a very emotional um, Virat Kohli uh, responding to a suggestion from a journalist that Ishan Kishan may have been a better option to open the batting than Rohit Sharma. It's a very brave question. What do you think, sir? What do you I'm think the you, team... No, at least I played the team that I thought was the best. What is your opinion? No, I'm just asking you. Will you drop I'm Rohit not, Sharma I'm not from, going to comment to you. from T20 Internationals? Will you drop Rohit Sharma? No. You know what he did in the last game that we played? Yeah? Unbelievable. <laughs> If you want controversy, please tell me before so I can answer accordingly. That was Virat Kohli doing his thing in the press conference. He is very emotional and he's been doing more and more umpiring on the field uh, in recent times, Harmi. So forever giving himself out or, or telling the umpire to review this or do that and be better. This is his last turn in charge of, uh, of the, uh, the T20 side um, for India. Do you, do you think he's... I don't know. Is he stepping away at the right time? Do you think um, there'll be? Is there a ready-made replacement? Yeah, quite possibly. Um, I think there's there's sometimes you, you you need the same message, but you just need a different singer, don't you? You need a you need a, you've got a you've got a song that's been sung for the last four years, and then after a while, it gets a bit boring, it gets a bit tedious, and you all of a sudden, if somebody else comes and sings it, it might be the same song, but. It's it's sung in a different way, and I think sometimes when when cricket captains or team managers or even in football team managers that there is a, a shelf life for for the length of time that you you've got because your voice just gets just gets a bit tired, and I think Virat possibly was in that boat when he decided to to go. I love Virat Kohli. I think he's a I think he's a great character for our game. I think he's a great custodian of our game when it comes to red ball and in white ball. I think he does cross the line every now and again, and we pick him up on it. But his passion is brilliant. His enthusiasm is fantastic. And he's, he's replied to this journalist off the back of Rohit Sharma. I'm 100% behind. How can, you, how can you possibly question Rohit Sharma? He is the best batsman in world T20 cricket from an opening point of view. Not by a country mile, because I think Chris, Chris Gill, over the history of the game, is, is, is up there, very much up there with him. But there's nobody else any come anywhere anywhere close. He got an absolute beauty. Shana Freedy bowling 90 mile an hour in swinger that hit him flush on the pad before Robert picked his bat up. And you, that these these things happen when you're dealing with Pierce. So I would like Ishan Kishan to play, but I would like them in the middle order and not not instead of, of Rohit Sharma. I think a lot of people now, because of the of social media and everybody's got a voice, everybody's got an opinion. I think some opinions just should stay quiet and shut up because, yeah, to question Rohit Sharma for me is embarrassing. Um, but I can understand, you know, Kohli's passion because this was India-Pakistan. His team didn't turn up um, and he'll be driving them forward. And this that that might be a wake-up call for India. And you might see you might see India just go unbeaten between now and the end of the tournament because you've got a nice group. They've got some nice games to come back and play. Just got a funny feeling. We might see that game again at the end in Dubai with uh, 
with the trophy on the line because I actually think India, uh, England, will play Pakistan in the semi-final, um, and I don't, I don't see anybody getting in India's way, even with a like a ten-wicket defeat. I still don't see anybody getting in India's way to get through to the final. I sometimes wonder whether the Indian press corps get together before each Virat Kohli press conference and say, right, who's going to ask him the stupid question today? <laughs> yeah, who's going to wind him up today because we need it. It's just great value, right? I'm on his hit list. He's on his hit list. He's uh, Right, he hasn't had a go at you yet this, this month. You can ask the question. <laughs> All right. Moving on, uh, just very quickly, did you see the video on social media of Mohammed Rizwan visualising his innings before he actually played it? It was absolutely genius. I mean, he played all the shots, just just himself, uh, before the game started, out in the middle, behind the stumps, and he was hooking and driving and, and even dabbing a quick single here. And then when it was replayed on social media, it was his actual innings with him playing those shots. Um, that's the third or fourth hundred partnership, by the way, between those two in T20 cricket this year. They were phenomenal. They were, and there was. It was a great video. It was a great video for any young player to go and have a look at. Anybody listening who wanted to make the way in the game, you know, playing you know, youth level cricket, having an idea of what you're going out to do before you do it is is something that you, you I would encourage anybody. You know, they talk about you know visualization and everything that comes, but sort of looking down the looking down the, the wicket at where the areas you're looking to play, what shot you're looking to play it from, is will stand you in good stead before you you actually go and start your innings. You know, when you go and start your innings, you know the bowler bowls and you have to re- respond to that. But if you've got an idea of what you're trying to do off the lengths that you're trying, and that's all Rizwan was trying to do, and he was absolutely brilliant. But to, but but the partnership, you're right. Hundred-run partnership. These guys have been playing. The guys have been playing. Pakistan. You know, we're not talking about in England not going, New Zealand going home. They went back into their domestic cricket and played six weeks of twenty twenty cricket, and they played a good level of cricket. Rizwan got, I think, a couple of fifties. Babrazam got every time. I, every time I seen his name, it was either a fifty or a hundred. So, and they played against. And this is the beauty about it. They played against lesser opposition where they dominated, Afridi dominated with a ball, Rizwan dominated, so did Babarazam with the bat. That means you're going into a tournament with confidence. Yeah, no, quite right. We've only got a couple of minutes to wrap the show up now, so very quickly moving on to the rejigged England uh, schedule for, for next summer. They'll now play the fifth test against India, but that's a series decider, and I was delighted when that was confirmed. Yeah. You know, I know it's it's a year later, but it, you know there was a series that needed to be decided, and and it is going to be decided. So it's a one-off test match with a huge, huge amount uh, riding on it, and that'll be played um, at Edgebaston because Old yeah. Trafford is busy. Old Trafford's busy. It's got a, con- uh, a concert on. Black IPs are on there at the time, so they're going to Edgebaston. A great ground for England. England love playing at Edgebaston. They go well at Edgebaston. And like we've just mentioned about New Zealand and Pakistan, England will be ready and gunning for India when they actually get to uh, the British Isles and they get to Birmingham for that test match, coming off the back of a one-day series. And yes, I'm 100% with you, man. I'm pleased it's a series decider and not just a, a Mickey Mouse benefit match for a one-off game. This is There's a lot on that test series. It should have been finished in Manchester, 
But hey, let's sort of see what happens when we get to uh, to Birmingham, um, which will be July, isn't it? July next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, j- again, just quickly, Dom Sibley withdrawing from the Lions squad to spend time at home working on his game to regain his uh, England place. Seemed fair enough to me. I mean, they, they didn't seem uh, like disloyal in in any way. I mean, uh, you know, it's going to be. I think it's going to be a very difficult tour for the Lions in Australia, to be honest. I'm not so sure how much game time there'll be for them. Um, and and so your thoughts? Yeah, no, I'm 100% with you on that one. Good good for Dom that he's identified that. It, it's not so much, you know, talk about working on his game at home. If I was encouraged, I would encourage him not to pick a bat up for three or four months. Just say a lot. Enjoy, the, enjoy your break. Because he's been, well, he's had a tough time, rough ride been in the bubble it's been when you're in a bubble I can imagine being in, in a negative frame of mind it being very even more tough I'd encourage him not to pick a bat up for three or four months not not in, even interest live your life enjoy yourself and then come back you know get yourself into a pre, pre-season ready for Warwickshire and go and start the season and belt out two or three hundreds and say right might not have pulled any trees up last summer there are things he needs to iron out, and I'm sure along with Mark Robinson and Paul Fabrice, he will. Sometimes away from the game, getting away from the game, mentally, you know, freshens you more than anything else. And you know, good luck to him on that front. Okay, finally, in the last minute, two new IPL franchises have been confirmed um, in Ahmedabad and Lucknow, costing a cool five hundred million pounds and six hundred and seventy-five point two million pounds. Have you followed how it, what it means for the for the competition? Seventy four matches. I think it'll be uh, as long as two weeks longer than than it has mm-hmm. been before. Which again, it just affects the whole global game. The IPL, as we as we've known for a long time, is expanded, and it was confirmed this week. Yeah, it was confirmed. Uh, Manchester United fans will be happy that their their Glazer family didn't get to to spend a little bit more of the Manchester United money on an IPL franchise because they got outbid. Love it, here to It was always here to stay. They've got the franchise system a bit like American sports, no relegation. You know, this is box office TV. <sighs> Where it's going to be, it's 74 matches this year or next year. In five years, it'll be 100 and odd matches. And this is going down. This is going to take over cricket, in my opinion. You know, and... and whether you, you you think it's good or you don't, the reality is the IPL is going nowhere. It's only getting bigger. I can see in the next five to 10 years being two tournaments a year um, and the players are going to have a choice. Do they want to play franchise cricket for enormous amounts of money or do they want to play international cricket for their country? And I think it could be simple as that because I can only see IPL going in one direction and international cricket just cracking on in another direction. And players will have to make a choice and it will devalue international cricket because players will go where the money is because short professional careers. And I don't blame them. But like I said many, many times, the you know, administration of the governing, the governance of world cricket has let the IPL get to a point where it's no return now. And they are too big for, 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 for any format of cricket. And that is never, ever going to change now. So is it good? Is it is it bad spectacle cricket? Yes, it's going to be good because the best players are going to play against each other. Financially, it's going to help the global game. But for international teams around the world, 
where they fit their cricket in. Unfortunately, I think they're just going to have to play without their big superstars sometimes. Thanks, Tommy. You've been listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast now available on the following on feed via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back at the same time next week, but this has been The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. At TalkSport, we absolutely love it when our fans get stuck in. That's why we want you to join us in The Dugout, a brilliant new TalkSport listener community. It's the place where you can tell us what sports you're into and who your favourite teams are. And tell us what you think we could do better, like big guests and new sports and that. You could win an Amazon voucher for taking part. What are you waiting for? Visit TalkSport.com slash dugout and get stuck in. 18 plus, terms and conditions apply.